Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the other people at the table. I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And today we have a special episode. All of them are special. They warm my heart. But this one's a little bit more special because it is right around my birthday, which also Ooh. means it's right around St. Patrick's Day. So we decided to bring on Scott and Forrest from the Astonishing Legends podcast to come blow our minds all about some Irish folklore. So we have three stories that we're going to go over and they're going to, like I said, they're going to blow our minds and we're going to see what we can take as inspiration for our homebrew worlds. Speaking of, if you are a gold patron dragon or up this week, you can head over to our Patreon and I have created some homebrew enchantments and curses for you, which will be a prevalent subject as we today look at the story of the children of Lear. But before we get to the meat, as always, we have some iTunes reviews. And up first, from Canada, America's hat. And it makes us look good. This one is from Pressing F. And it's entitled, The Best Thing for New DMs. Five stars. I started listening in November of 2018. It's January 6th of 2019. And I've listened to over 100 episodes as a brand new DM. This is my go-to source for information and ideas. Loving the podcast. Keep being amazing. I promise that we will do that as long as you do the same. So thank you, Pressing F, for that review. Yeah, thank you so much. And speaking of Canada, we have another review from there from Halden. And Halden's review is entitled, Great Resource for a New DM. Five stars. This podcast is a wonderful resource for new DMs. The DMing for Dummies episode is essential, in my opinion. That's a, a great, yeah. great point there. And I think that's what we say in our episode zero a good place to start may not be episode one. If this is your first time DMing, check out DMing for Dummies. So thank you so much, Halden, for that review and for that bit of advice for any new time listeners who are new time listeners on episode 176. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Yep. But Mitch, you know what time it is? I do. It's time to go to that sweet special is it regular meat this week, or is it corned beef and cabbage? Ooh. I'm not sure, but either way, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So for this segment of the meet, we're joined by two guests. We're joined by Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess, host of the Astonishing Legends podcast. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us on. We're excited. We're excited to have you guys and to talk all. I mean, this is what you guys do on your podcast all the time. We'll get more into that, but we're excited to talk some Irish folklore and myths with you today. We love Ireland. Well, it's got That's everything. It. Uh, yeah, these legends have everything in them. Giants, magic, uh, adult men dressing as babies. <laughs> it's, yes, it's got everything. everything you want from a good legend. <laughs> Perfect. So before we get to that, though, we have our interview segment where we have a couple questions. My personal favorite question is, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves that you think our listeners would be interested in? Because who knows what you're going to say next? Okay. Um, I'll go first for us. Yeah, I go guess. ahead. Um, I came to podcasting late in life. I was, <laughs> I was an, initially a uh, television commercial editor for about 17 years and like a whole career in life and all that stuff. And then um, I had a kid and I stopped working because my wife made more than I did for a few years. And uh, when I went back to work, I got into pot forced and I had the idea for this show. We had no idea if it would work. And at the time also didn't know if you could ever even generate one red cent from it. It was a really a blind bet. Yeah, we needed a really expensive hobby to get into yeah. that we couldn't afford. <laughs> yeah. so we and that also takes like 60 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all that stuff we learned on the way. I also had a post-production video editing background, more with uh, movie trailers to start off with and then kind of industrial stuff, a lot of automotive industrial uh, uh, training videos and things like that. So we had the video background, but audio, interestingly enough, it, even though it's the audiovisual world, audio is its own thing. So we had to relearn a lot of stuff and learn a lot of new things. So that's been fun, 
but challenging. Yeah, and I was so tired of editing. As soon as we were making any money, the first thing I we did was I was like, we have to hire an editor. Yeah, so. <laughs> as you guys well know, it's a lot of work. But uh, anybody wanting to get into this, you can do it. It's a lot of fun. It's a it's a huge joy of learning not only about uh, this craft, but a bunch of of new uh, topics like we just did because uh, we knew a little bit about Irish myths. Uh, but not until you dig into them do you really kind of get to the bottom of the stories and, uh, you know, like learning the origin of Swan Lake, the uh, the opera, the ballet. I know Neil has always referred to podcasting as a jobby yep. uh, with the work <laughs> of a job and the passion of a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. That's no, that, that nails it pretty closely. And, you know, it, it just luckily for us turned into a full time thing. So. We're pretty much doing that exclusively and trying to live life. It, yeah, it's kind and, of it's in the balance. It's a little less. Uh, I guess it's kind of nerdy, but like it is, it is an entrepreneurial undertaking, really. And I remember that what they would say about entrepreneurs is people that will work sixty hours a week for themselves to avoid working forty hours a week for someone else. Yep. <laughs> it may it may be a little nerdy, but you're on the Dungeon Masters block today, so you're in the <laughs> right place. Which excellent. And speaking of podcasting, you guys have told us a little bit so far but can you tell us for any listeners who aren't familiar with astonishing legends tell us a little bit about your podcast when we started the show we wanted to get we had an interest both Forrest and I and in, in the paranormal and unusual and UFOs and cryptids and all that kind of stuff we felt that a lot of shows in the genre the bulk of them really were kind of stuck in a in a presentation style that maybe needed updating and also needed to not take itself so seriously but by the same token, we wanted to we wanted to go deeper and ask the questions because we both found ourselves are big fans of unsolved mysteries and we're old enough to remember in search of as well. And then there's all the other little offshoot shows like uh, sightings and all those kind of shows. And we we both used to watch those a lot. Uh, but there was always because they were trapped by the format of television. There was always the time when they just couldn't ask the question. I mean, like, how could you go away from this interview without asking them, you know, what the goblin in the garden was wearing? You know, was it a blue, (laughs) you know, and so we we wanted to go deeper on that stuff. So our show is a conversational style, uh, co-hosted deep dive into the kinds of stories you would see on Unsolved Mysteries and our topics vary as much as they did on that show. But we also, uh, we get familiar, we get relaxed, we have guests on, we try to track down eyewitnesses whenever we can. And um, and and we just run the gamut all year long and do multi-parters and sometimes one-offs and and we talk too much, (laughs) right, Forrest? (laughs) As as we've just seen, but I'm usually the one doing that. (laughs) But it works out well because you know that's the format without a show that we enjoy doing just as friends. We whenever we'd get together, we talk about uh, strange and unusual things, and it's not just limited to the paranormal. There's just anything that interests us. So science, space, uh, strange uh, phenomena. Laser beams, robots. Yeah, just anything that we thought was interesting. And that's really the guiding point of the show is that we will get on and talk about uh, any unusual story that we come across or have heard of and that we personally want to know more about. So that's it's it's a little bit indulgent. But what we found is that uh, there's a lot of other people out there uh, like us who just have heard of something and want to know more about it. Yeah, and who needs something to fall asleep to? <laughs> and that, there's the other crowd too. It's like they yes. they just find it very soothing. And so that's fantastic. I think you guys have given us a really good look behind a peek behind the curtain of podcasting. I know we had very similar a uh, very similar origin story here of myself and uh, the original co-host Chris. Uh, it, we just were like, you know, we sit down and talk so much Dungeons and Dragons. Why don't we just put a mic in front of ourselves and see where sure. this thing takes us? And it sounds like that's kind of where you guys started and just the the passion behind doing it. Yeah, true. So we have a surprise question that I made up myself because a lot of the surprise questions that we get from our patrons um, often gear towards D&D. But I felt like that would be mean. So I came up with an even more difficult question. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you that instead. So what are two episodes and I'll pare it down a little bit over the past year that you would kind of guide our listeners to to get a really good feel for Astonishing Legends. I don't want to give you the whole catalog because I I, I know that would fry my brain if someone asked. So so 2018. <laughs> um, well, I mean, when people ask us, you know, hey, I want to check out your yeah. show. What, what should I listen to? I, I think, you know, the first thing that I say, it's well... 
look through the titles and find something that that just sounds interesting to you or or the you know what our little description there what kind of appeals to you because again we we cover a wide gamut of topics and you know stuff from the old west we don't do a whole lot of those but uh, it, it could be a, a historical angle. It could be uh, something that's downright supernatural, like ghosts, UFOs. And so generally we'll say like, yeah, take a look at the, the topic list and and see which one grabs you and just kind of gravitate towards that and, and check that one out first. Uh, but we just did a kind of a groundbreaking show for us about a very strange orb, a metallic uh, orb that showed up on these people's property and it moved on its own. Apparently. Yeah, that was it's weird because that is a series we just finished, but in a lot of ways it it felt like um it felt like a watershed series for us. And it, so it's multi-parts. You said two episodes. This particular one was four episodes, but it's about this thing called the Bet Sphere, which is, you know, it sounds like oh wow, it's a metal ball, big deal. But it's the story behind it is really crazy. And and the other thing that was really interesting about this particular series was that the family that was involved have been unreachable for decades. And we managed to find one of the family members and get several hours of interviews with them and get all this insight that no one had gotten. And then on top of that, the family made it clear that after we were done, they weren't ever going to talk about it again. So that was kind of fun. And then we got photos and x-rays and all this stuff that no one had ever seen. So that was kind of that was a that was a a big scoop for us. And I think prior to that topic wise, that's it's like Forrest says, it's a personal thing. So my answer to it, my personal answer to it was that we did a series towards the end of last year on the Sally House, which is a haunted house in Atchison, Kansas, that I had a personal experience at the first one of my life that was paranormal. Nothing had ever happened to me when we started this series and until I went there. And the series, it was a little overindulgent. It's four parts and there's like 14 hours. So we, we but we did it for Halloween and people expect us to get a little uh, creepy at that time of year. This particular thing case, though, was one of those stories where when we started out, I said, oh, I hope that someday I'll experience something. And then something happened and <laughs> now I regret it. So that was that's <laughs> well, kind of what that whole round was about. So was, I would say yeah. the, the Sally House and the Bet Sphere would be the two that I would topics I would pick. But yeah. that's hours and hours of commitment. So. Well, that, you know, those are the two uh, most recent kind of big shows for us. And uh, but like we said, if it depends on you know, what your interests lie, where they lie. You know, what's interesting about the paranormal is that people, uh, they're very... Uh, it's compartmentalized. Exactly. In, in, in terms of interest. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you, you'll hear this a lot when you talk about paranormal subjects. It's like, uh, you know, boy, I'm really into Sasquatch, but those ghost people, they're nuts. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I don't believe anything about ghosts, but, but uh, you know, big hairy ape in the woods, like, that's my, that's right up my alley. Or UFO people who are really into that, don't believe in ghosts or Sasquatch. But what we found is that a lot of these things are connected. A lot of these subjects, in a weird way, seem to have tie-ins with each other. Uh, and so I, if you like creepy, we, we've got uh, a few really scary series. I, I think the ones that stand out uh, that people comment on the most are uh, a, a series about the black-eyed kids, uh, kind of a weird phenomenon of strange, yes. creepy kids that show up at your door in the middle of the night or in the middle of the day. Uh, the other one that, uh, was also kind of a watershed one that we didn't really think was going to be. And that's also kind of a fun thing when we do a topic and we don't know where it takes us and we're not sure how it's going to be received, uh, was shadow people. There's a lot of people out there that have this, uh, sleep paralysis, but it's not necessarily as you're going to sleep or waking up where people see weird shadow beings in near them yeah we're still getting a ton of email about that and that one's actually several years old yeah that's several years old uh that was another halloween show but what we've learned is that you know people would write to us and say i'm so glad you did this i did i thought i was the only one i I was was nuts i was real excited about that one because that's the one that hooked us organically carrie (laughs) carrie byron from mythbusters she Um, started writing to us now we're like friends on twitter that was yeah it was pretty exciting yeah that that's a fascinating there was something on twitter just recently you guys probably saw it where somebody put out a challenge of like draw draw the shadow people oh i did that, see that, that yeah just, uh visit you and just it was a fascinating thread going through and seeing these drawings and people got really into the descriptions of how these shadow people acted as well which uh but i i want to just in like totally back up your sentiment of like, what's the best two episodes you guys are saying it's going to be dependent. I know for me, I remember looking through your show list and uh, first of all, you guys are making lots of jokes about like, ah, oh, we won't do the reading and that we'll take a couple notes, <laughs> but like 
you don't have like a specific for most of them, their series of we're yes. looking at this topic and you guys do a lot of the research and it's you got you guys dive really deep. I just listened through your series, The Tall Ones, which I saw. Oh, and yeah. I was like, is this Giants? I hope this is Giants. And it was totally <laughs> Giants. You guys got into the biblical Nephilim and all. And it was. Yes, it was very brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank and you. So oh, thank for you. our listeners like who love Dungeons and Dragons, love fantasy, love mythology, love legends like. I would encourage you head over, check this podcast out because you're going to be able to gain a lot of inspiration from a lot of these episodes. Oh, thanks well, very much. Thank, yeah, thank you very much. It's what we found with legends specifically, and maybe a lot of people don't realize it. Maybe they've learned it you know, about it in school, but don't apply it to their their daily life. It's like the the things you read, the the shows you watch. You know, whether it's role playing games or maybe like game, you know, Game of Thrones. All of this mythology ties into ancient storytelling themes. Yeah. And if you find a lot of these cases, it's like people are still kind of weirdly experiencing some strange things in, in modern times. We just did a show on Gremlins, which, you know, had its heyday in World War II, uh, especially with uh, British pilots of the RAF and especially during the, the Battle of Britain. But what we found is that those sightings and their, those descriptions are of we folk, of little people, of the of the ancient uh, legends of uh, of the UK, of of China, of every every culture has their own strange beings, and you might think, well, these are just stories to entertain. Well, where do those stories come from? That's pretty imaginative. Yeah, in in fantasy writing, you always draw it back to Tolkien, right? Oh, like you can't get away from Tolkien. D&D is no yeah. exception, but Tolkien right. didn't just come up with that stuff either. Like no. he drew from all this inspiration on the Fae and all these stories of myth. So I think you, you brought up a great way to look at reading stories and how to add them to your homebrew world in Dungeons and Dragons, because those stories happened for a reason. Those stories happened because of experience. So someone in your world interacted with a giant now it is a legend now it is a tale it is myth um so speaking of giants i i i said it because i know exactly which story we're going to talk about first um and that's finn mccool yeah. and the giant's causeway first off i totally feel like this guy's wearing sunglasses in a convertible but none of that happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey. it's the cool part well there's a bar <laughs> the here there's a bar here in la anyway well, a couple there of you them, go finn mccool so hey, ah yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's my understanding, and I have only a cursory knowledge of this, but that Finn was a giant, and he was having a disagreement with another giant, and uh, he had trouble getting access across the water to reach this other giant, and um, I can't remember now, and also his original name, Finn McCool, the Celtic is Finn Mac. If you were to read it, it, yeah, all the letters. But that's the great thing about uh, uh, the the Gaelic language is that there's there's tons of letters you're never going to use or pronounce. Yeah. So yeah. So this was in Northern Ireland. But the thing about this that's interesting to me, and when you guys said, "Hey, we want to talk about this," and I went, uh, as I said, doing some cursory research on it, and I saw the first picture of this of this road that he supposedly made to cross and battle this other giant and I knew the pictures I was like oh yes I yeah. know about this yep. and I, I didn't make all the connection because it's it's one of those things that there's still debate today over whether or not it is a naturally occurring formation or something more like the like the, the same thing they say about the Bimini Road which is the one under the water that looks like it was made man-made but the the hexagonal so there's the big hexagonal tiles but it's, here's the thing that I thought was interesting about the story is supposedly Finn McCool threw them out to make them into a road, but they're so perfectly laid, they look like Legos. So I yeah. was like, well, I was disappointed that he was throwing them. He must be amazing. Yeah, these are... <laughs> well, uh, right. That was... Uh, he, he was going to fight the Scottish giant, Ben and Donner. Ben and Donner. Uh, and, of course, whenever you have a battle of giants, some good story is going to come of it. Of and, uh, you know, because they can hurl things like giant pieces of land. Yes. And it's a way, as you realize in, in folklore and mythology of explaining geological features and things about the world that you don't really understand in, in those times uh, because science hadn't been developed to explain it. Geology had not been understood in that way. So it's like, well, how did this, how do these really interesting geological features, these basalt stacks of rock that are hexagonal, 
but also with uh, some with more sides. But I, I believe they're as, as tall as thirty feet tall, and and yeah, uh, there's some towers. It looks a little. It looks a lot like the Fortress of Solitude, really. Oh yeah, from the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, I don't know if there's any place where you can go and ask questions, and Marlon Brando will pop up. But the uh, <laughs> But it is it is pretty amazing looking, and um, I mean that's as much as we know about the story. I think what what other if there's other things you want to add because you guys know more than we do. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's I think that one of the great inspirations that can be drawn. You guys kind of talked about this already. Is that like it's something that people saw this this natural formation of land, but they couldn't comprehend or possibly not natural right they couldn't comprehend how did this how did this get made and so this myth this story came about where this giant had to get across to fight to teach that other giant from scotland a lesson because he was constantly hailing over insults to him and so that's how this this formation of land was created and i think when we're creating our own worlds and our own stories uh, I think especially if you're thinking about giants, like that's yes. a great place to go to for like this is how it was made. But what I love about this story is I think the easier route is to go, oh, the giant was mad. And so they destroyed this. And that's how this crater was made. And like to get into the the sheer power and destruction of the giant. But this is a story about a giant creating this land and like, right, which is is kind of flipping and it's on its head. But makes her a really great myth right and then and, and oh i left out one of my favorite parts of the story is also that when ben he realized that ben and donner was too mm-hmm. either too big or too yes. formidable like a sleeping mountain i think most stories say yeah right so then ben and donner comes over and finn's wife is like quick we're gonna dress you up like a baby he's like what <laughs> what are you talking about she's like trust me so then they dress him up like a baby and ben and donner gets over there and is like oh my god if the baby's this big i gotta get out of here yeah. and then he leaves <laughs> right and, and not only do they does he see this quote unquote baby but the wife feeds him cakes filled with rocks which he bites into and is like ah this is terrible why would you and he's like well that's what my husband eats like even the baby eats these what are you upset about which chase chase this much bigger giant off so that story of trickery which uh, you know in talking about Dungeons and Dragons what I love about this is that this is Sometimes when uh, we as DMs are, have players and we introduce these big monsters or these things that they have to defeat in order to continue on in the story, when you have regular friends sitting down at a table, quite often there's a story that one of them has like, let's dress somebody up like a baby that to you <laughs> might seem ridiculous. But let's yeah. look at this real life myth story where that's yeah. literally what happens to turn that giant away. And it's it's fantastic. It really is. Yeah. That element of that story, I feel like I've heard it creep up in other mythology too, not just the Finn McCool story, but the let's pretend, you know. And and when we did our series, which you mentioned earlier on on the tall ones and on giants yeah. and a lot of that mythology, one of the things that you found was that it was rooted just in the the idea that these other cultures, that these particular uh, branches of mankind were meeting, were you know only a little taller than they were. But in there, they come back and they tell the story and are like, "They're huge," you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's but it's it's really cool to think. But then by the same token, there is evidence of people that that were literally giants, and there were all kinds of places that where you found them buried. And uh, so anyway, it's it's interesting, and that's it's a it's a very uh, it's a fun story to build on. Well, the other thing that's really interesting, and I I mean I didn't do enough research to find it out, but you're in part of the reason you're in it's the Giants Causeway is because this formation is on the coast of Ireland and on the coast of Scotland. Like that that's kind of the key right. here as to why I think this myth formed. But I would be really interested to see if there is a Scottish myth that is similar. Yeah or wildly different and that you know and that's just throwing that out there as another piece of going and trying to find more versions of a single myth because depending on which ones we get to that i listened to one several times and i'm just like well that's not what the last person said and i'm like well that's not what the second person said but then being able to dig deeper and find those different versions and you know learn and gain more each time yeah, there's different versions depending on who you, what your culture is. So there's a Scottish version, which is similar, but of course, 
favors the Scottish giant Ben and Donner. Oh, really? You, you did you find that? Well, one? there's yeah, I know there's a Manx uh, folklore version where he's more of a shapeshifter, I believe. Oh. Uh, there's a Welsh version. So these yep. things are passed down uh, orally, and of course, it's like any other story. Over time, you know, things are added, uh, things are favored for the people who are listening to pump up those things that they're going to enjoy, as uh, certainly any version of a movie that's released internationally sometimes yeah. now, especially with, for uh, the, like a Chinese audience, things are tailored for, for their tastes and, and what they would prefer. So things are changed a little. But what's interesting about this is that, yeah, you have... There are fantastical elements, but you're also describing, like in the, in the case of the Giant's Causeway, in Scotland, there is a uh, counterpart to these stacked rocks. You know, what went in the middle? Well, it's Finn McCool heaving giant pieces of land towards Scotland and creating these stepping stones because he didn't want to get his feet wet. But then the giant, he learns, Ben and Donner is coming to fight him. And he's so massive and much more uh, formidable than he thought that now they are in a panic. And so Finn, Finn McCool's wife, Una, comes up with a plan, and that is to dress him up as a baby so that when he gets here, uh, you know, Ben and Donner gets there, she tells him, well, he's out for the moment, but he'll be back soon. In the meantime, please have some griddle cakes. <laughs> and he, she either bakes them with rocks inside or, or actually uh, iron, uh, iron griddles inside, and he chips a tooth. And then it's like, well, what do you, yeah, what are you, what are you, weak? And she, she shames him. And says, well, well, look at the baby. The baby eats these. He, uh, and she, she encourages Ben and Donner to place his finger into the baby's mouth. And he gets bitten, you know, just, just to see how sharp his teeth are. <laughs> and that's what freaks Ben and Donner out. It's like, geez, these, uh, this kid's got quite a bite. And if that's the baby, what's the dad look like? And he flees back across the stepping stones, across the giant's causeway, and destroys it on his way back so that uh, he cannot be chased by Finn McCool, who must be even larger than he is. Well, here's the other thing about the Giant's Causeway. That's an environmental disaster. It's going to cause all kind of problems <laughs> with the tides, and the the sea life is not going to be able to get past it, so I think it's good to turn it down. <laughs> well, that's not... Yeah, very... <laughs> yes, thanks for your, uh, yeah, your geological... It's like the uh, Glen Canyon Dam. Yeah, no. Lake Powell's awesome, but it's bad for the Colorado River. Yeah, so I think this is a, this is a great example of creating myths and legends in your world to be answers, whether they are true or not. And as uh, you both pointed out, you all we all talked about like the fact that those legends might be different depending on what area you're going to, what people you're talking to. But I think it's a great example of creating myths and legends based on something in the world, some structure, whether it's natural or clearly not natural, and having these yeah. stories that people can tell on how they were formed in the first place. But let's kind of transition now into the next story that we want to talk about, the next myth, which is the children of Lear, which I think is probably one of the most common stories that we hear from Irish mythology. I think you don't have to be too familiar with Irish myth with Celtic mythology to have heard of at least King Lear and the children of Lear. Well, this is a classic tale of Irish mythology, but it has uh, the things that we look at and we, we do on our show. It's like, where do these things start? Where, what's the themes uh, of these stories? What's the purpose? And this is a, you know, it's a tale from uh, just after the arrival of Christianity, but it also has a lot of Druid themes hmm. in that there's Druid magic and Druid wands. And it, it's a mix of magical elements, but also human tales i guess dealing with you know like with family values and uh it's treachery it's lying you know there's murder involved it's all the human things but rooted in tales of essentially the gods or supernatural people and how they deal with it and a lot of times as we find in mythology they're worse than a lot of humans we know but it's a way to also bridge the gap between uh these these pagan gods and the emergence of christianity so the basic idea about, especially this story, the the children of Lear, the the children of the uh, uh, the the tragic story of the children of Lear, or the fate of the children of Lear, is that you can have your your pagan beliefs and your stories, but come to Christianity because it's really going to do something for you. It's gonna it's gonna better your life, and that is the moral to this story ultimately. So. I feel like that was an amazing way to start looking at the children of Lear, but. 
like this is the one that tripped me out the most with like trying to get quick synopsis of the story and listening to different videos and other people's take on it some of which was in gaelic and i didn't understand anything so i'm like well i'm i'm not here to read i'm here to listen and i turned it off (laughs) and pulled up another video but the different takes on it so essentially king lear loses his wife in some versions he feels that the children need a mother in some versions i heard it's because he's lonely so either way he gets a new wife New wife is not a fan of the children. She seeks out some druids. She gets a wand. She says, hey, let's go to the lake. Boom, you're all swans now. And in one again, in one version, she goes back and tells Lear that they drowned and they passed away. And he goes to the lake. And in one version, it was just sad. Another, it was more sad where he could hear the children speaking to him as the swans. And then he just passed away in old age because there was nothing he could do. But they were destined to be swans for 900 years. Uh, but it's okay. They, it, don't worry, though. They got to travel once every 300 years to a new location. <laughs> to a new and, lake, right? <laughs> and if they would hear a church bell was one way it was said, and another, I think, more apt would be that if they heard the ring of a Christian bell, they would be set free. And eventually they... Yeah, which goes back to what... Exactly. Was and yeah. they were they eventually yeah. set free. And I was like, oh, I wonder. Oh, no. They immediately turned into old people, grabbed each other's hands, and died. Uh, and then went oh. to heaven, as it were. And there was, a, I mean, forced. I appreciate all the information you gave because I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know what I was supposed to take away from that initially. Like, I was just like, <laughs> this re- what is the point of this? This really story, bummed yeah. me out. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. That's yeah. a lot of uh, death and spells. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing you're immortal. Uh, but also, that's a curse, which people don't realize that, oh, wouldn't it be great to live for hundreds of years? Yeah, but you're a swan. Yeah. And, and, the swan's misery was uh, the the cold weather because they would have to travel up north, I believe, at some point after a certain period of time. Yeah, at one point they got stuck in the ice. It was, right? yeah, yeah. It, the, the weather was so terrible. And if you've ever been to uh, the northern UK Isles in Scotland and Ireland, the, that weather is really harsh up there. And that it's also a way of, you know, tying that to the people who live there because they realize, like, yeah, it's <laughs> it get nasty up here. And imagine uh, suffering that kind of uh, cold where the water freezes one winter and your feet are stuck. And that's when they, they cry out to uh, the, the king of the heavens, like, please help us. And, and in the story, it's like, well, guess what? They get helped. They and did. yeah, and, and that's why you should convert to Christianity. But their help was to turn instantly 900 years old and die a few mm-hmm. minutes later. <laughs> that is one version, <laughs> you know, which but after yeah. that long of a time being a swan in those. Yeah, that's probably that type feels of pretty good. That might be the best thing that's well, happened. Yeah. And yeah. then they said that the man at the church saw four swans flying through the sky. And I was like, man, how bummed are they? They're like, we're humans again. No, we're swans again. (laughs) One of the things that I loved about this story was when King Lear finds out that this has happened to his children, he makes a law all across his kingdom that no one can kill a swan. And that's because he's, he's like, I don't want someone to mistake one of my children and kill them. And then one of my kids be dead. I mean, and honestly, if you were out and you're about hunting and I mean, you're, you're probably looking for like a deer or maybe you're looking for a goose, but then a swan talks to you. You might shoot that thing just out of sheer, like (laughs) what is going on? Kill the demon swan, take it down. So at least put a law over the land. And for those of us, like who we just had an episode, a couple back where we talked about, talking animals in a fantasy world. Obviously, you can go to the Chronicles of Narnia and see that that's uh, a huge theme in that. Uh, but for this story, it's it's people who have been enchanted as animals. And if you're running a world where there are talking beasts, perhaps that's a way that those animals, that's the reason they're talking, that they were once people mm-hmm. that were cursed and then as as far as you're bringing up the, the point of the story is, you know, you have that ring of the Christian bell being their salvation. Well, maybe there's only one or two ways that you can break this curse, and it has to be of some divine origin. 
yeah, that's that's the solution to to your misery. But you just brought up a really fascinating angle here that I I think gamers would love because it's uh, you can use it as a as a great tool in any story or game, and that's shape shifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, it's it, transmogrifying uh, between you know one form and another, which gives you various powers. We just uh, this is a while back, but we did an, a whole episode, which this is another game changer for <laughs> Scott that it freaked him out. Was we we did an episode on Skinwalker Ranch? Oh yeah. Another interesting tie-in is that these Native American uh, legends, especially around uh, this would be northern Utah, have their own shape-shifting legends, which they still are respectful of. They don't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, outside, they don't talk about it to each other because that might bring on a skinwalker. And we're talking now about, uh, especially with the Native American uh, uh, versions of. Again, somebody being kind of cursed or bringing on a curse onto themselves well, for dark for for black magic. Yeah, and so starting out and dabbling in dark magic yeah. and then getting caught up in it. It's a yeah. real Darth Vader situation. But instead of that, your uh, your one of your chosen forms is giant canine or half canine, <laughs> half human. Yeah, that, where, of, that wears right. a checkered shirt and likes to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> well, it's that's one. It's version. a little. It's a crazy story. <laughs> that's one version. But but it's something. Yeah, again, it, it goes back to all this mythology. There are curses. Uh, like the one daughter uh, cursing the stepmother uh, for for trying to drown them and and having you know and saying like well you were going to pay for this and well initially she was going to kill them and yeah, she yeah. drew a sword but then she lost her nerve yeah she was going to have her uh, yeah. her henchmen uh, do the dirty work and then she was going to do it herself and uh, couldn't bring herself to it but just for that act uh, she she was cursed and you know getting back to the skinwalkers that's usually a uh, a shaman who usually commits a horrible act against the tribe or or their nation and that turns you uh that turns you to the dark side essentially and but you are granted these powers of uh, incredible speed and, yeah sometimes yeah. Uh, it's not always a, a, a wolf like character but you could be a bear in some cases or a, or an eagle uh, some kind of a flying creature uh, you know, and, and so there's a lot of themes, you know, because we're all people, uh, no matter where you live of, of seeing animals and, and having, uh, wanting their specific capabilities, but also that comes at a price and that you'd be trapped like that. And so, but uh, yeah, the shape-shifting thing is that's fascinating to us only because again, there are current modern day stories of people seeing weird, <laughs> half human werewolf uh, werewolf-like type creatures running alongside their car. There's a lot. There's yes. There's a lot more of those stories than you, one would think. <laughs> yeah. Even in modern times. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Well, even like you're bringing up different types. Like, what if the curse was even something where it wasn't? You weren't a swan always. A new year yeah. comes and then you turn into uh, some other type of creature, a rabbit, or, I mean, the king, uh, the person who's looking out for you has made this law, do not kill swans. It's going to keep, it's going to be a lot more harder to keep you safe if you're constantly changing and the laws of the land are constantly changing. And especially if you're an outsider coming into a kingdom and you walk in and you see this sign, right? This big poster that says no rats are allowed to be killed this year of our our king <laughs> or and maybe you see like that poster being ripped down and a new one being put up uh because the year has changed it's a new year and it's like now the rats yeah you can kill rats but please don't kill any turkeys because uh right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well you know there's an there are common elements with all mythology here that we that we see and and i'm sure it's reflected in uh you know, in our literature and, and games that we we play, that uh, things about a supernatural lure, like the the the, the swan song, was so alluring it, it calmed people and was beautiful to hear. Or we hear about you know in people that write in, it's just like I had this, um, and I know this sounds crazy, but people will say, I felt this draw to to follow this thing into the woods when they see a strange uh, creature, <laughs> whether it's a, a puckwudgie. Or, uh, you know, wherever you are, there's something trying to lure you in. It could be a leprechaun. It could be a brownie or a sprite. In the, in the UK, uh, you might have uh, something that wants to bring, it, bring you to their world from which you may never return. So it's alluring, but there's danger. And, you know, these are common themes, again, that keep coming up and again and again. We see it in Greek mythology. 
Uh, you'll see it in Asian mythology. It's always kind of the same thing because these are also cautionary tales uh, in, in a weird way, like with Greek mythology, not to behave like these supernatural beings. I, I remember a classics uh, professor I had back in college saying, you look at these heroes uh, from these legends, and they sound great. They can do tremendous feats and, uh, you know, with tremendous strength and they have wisdom, but also they're, they're doomed in a way. You know, that's that old saying, all the heroes we know are dead. Uh, they're also not the nicest people a lot of times. They, they'll commit atrocities of their own and have to pay for them. So that's another purpose of these stories is that they're, they are a morality tale and a tale of caution to, to you know, live your life better. Don't do what these guys did. So while we could definitely talk Irish mythology probably until we die or 900 years later when we hear <laughs> the ring of a Christian bell. But the question I have for everyone, and I'll answer it first, is what are some further readings or topics that we could send people to to kind of like get more? So for me, it's someone we've kind of had connection to through the podcast, but it's Jim Zub, and he wrote a comic book series. It's only 30 issues, and it closes out, and it's called Wayward. And it delves really deep into both Japanese mythology as well as combining it with a lot of Irish mythology as well. So it's it's a great way to be able to dip in both. You know, it heavily, heavily focuses on Druidic kind of mythology when it dips into Irish, but also merges the two, which I think is a great example of what you might want to do in your homebrew world for your game, because you may have something, but you want it to be more. So it's a great way to look at these kids that are becoming essentially the new gods. And um, one character is half Japanese, half Irish. And so then that's where that connection comes oh, through. Wow. So it's Wayward by Jim Zub. So last year we did a series, I think it was last year, wasn't more than a year ago, called The Tall Ones, which you talked about earlier. Um, and that was a multi-part series on giants, which was another one. We often get into these things where Forrest is is like, hey, let's do this. And then I'm like, my God, this is this topic is, I mean, it's huge. Like a giant. It just, it, it kept unfolding. And, uh, but, and there was a lot of stuff that we researched for that and some that actually didn't make it into the show. I was looking back through our notes for those for that episode and one was the Fomorians. Have you guys heard of those? The uh, actually, weird that you're bringing yep. that up. <laughs> there, D and D monster. <laughs> it already is. Yep. Well, there you go. Is. That's yeah. that's what I was gonna say. Is that, is the, the research on them was was pretty fascinating. Um, and the, a, a lot of the images and everything about them, I thought was you know personifications of chaos, darkness, death, blight, and drought. It's pretty amazing. So, um. All right, so basically that shows how much I know about D&D. I just basically <laughs> gave you – it's probably like the most primary character. It, no, it's no, it certainly isn't. No, it but, certainly isn't. But I think that's yeah. a great point, like which we've brought up uh, at the beginning of the show is – and honestly, I knew it was a D&D &D monster. I didn't know anything mm -hmm. about the origins of that, uh, of that monster as a giant, and I think that's a great point to look at the origins of – these monsters and these creatures and check out the myths and some of them are going to be completely different i mean if you look at a troll in D D and you look at a troll as uh when you look back at like norwegian uh trolls and mythology it's it's so different and you can change that up for your own world and come up with some great stories my yeah. last bit of homework is i'm gonna say Listen, if you're listening to the show, then you are probably a big fan of podcasts. So go check out some podcasts that talk about myths, talk about legends. Uh, start with Astonishing Legends because they have Thank a lot you. and yes. it's really great and they dive in deep. But yeah, there's so much out there that you can listen to and just take inspiration from all of these stories from cultures in our real world and put it into your homebrew world um we do have and we i don't know if you guys know do you guys know a, a guy named fiddleback Fiddleback. yeah yeah uh on twitter yeah, yeah he, he has a show called yeah he has a show called gm word of the week mm -hmm. yep. uh, i think people would like that um and some of his other shows it's a podcast for tabletop gamers and word nerds that one uh but anyway a pretty cool guy and he a lot of his topics would uh, cross over with what you guys cover. Perfect. So I have the most important question, though. Where can people go on the internet to find all that you do? Astonishing Legends can be found pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. We're on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify now, Pandora maybe, and then uh, 
Himalaya, which is a new player. It's pretty cool. Uh, you can find us there as well. I actually yeah. prefer it to the Apple Podcast app. Yeah. And, then, and we have our own website, astonishinglegends.com, uh, all spelled out. And there you'll find a lot of our uh, show notes, links to articles we used for research. Lots of photos. pictures. Yeah, photos, uh, anything connected to that episode of the show. And there is one web page for every episode that we do even for the whole series you'll find uh, new and different things that uh, you can you can dive down that rabbit hole if you and choose. links to books as well if you, yeah. there's a bookstore situation for all those uh the topics that we've covered so perfect yeah so definitely right. check out astonishing legends and scott and forrest yes. thank you guys for joining us on this episode of the dungeon hey, thank you guys so much for inviting us on it was a blast really yeah, appreciate thank you it. so much and with that let's head over to the mailbag of holding but they've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Today in the Mailbag of Holding, where we talk about ideas, stories, and questions that you, the listener, have, we have a question from DM Just Jeff. And they emailed us, and they had a couple questions about, one, what are some tips that we might have for improvisation? You know, when your players zig when you thought they would zag and also kind of falling back into either character voices or just in character at all. So those are the two questions we have right now. With the first part of that question kind of being rattled when players do something in their with their characters that you're not expecting, that you don't have notes on, that you, maybe takes you completely off a path that you were going or even they were going, so it just throws you off. I think first off, I think it's good to recognize that this happens to every GM out there. And maybe... Maybe us DMs who run games at home, we're starting to feel like that's not the case because we have so many well-produced, amazing actual plays out there. But I would say 99% of those are highly, highly edited so that you don't have to worry about moments where you're like, uh, I don't know, as the, as the DM Yep. Because that's not going to make good air, good showtime, right? But it happens to all of us as DMs. So first of all, kind of don't worry about that. And I think improv, the more and more you do it, the better you will get at it. And I also think that it's okay to every now and then be like, wow, guys, you really threw me for a loop. Uh, let's take a five-minute snack break refill your drinks, uh, give me a second, because you really, like, this is really cool, the idea that you're throwing out here, but I'm going to need a second to prepare for it. The players can't expect you to have everything prepared for everything that they throw at you. Neil, what are your thoughts? Definitely. That's what I was going to say. One, don't don't beat yourself up about it. Two, no. definitely be willing to take that break and be honest. I mean, your players are going to know that there needs to be breaks and thought process and things like that. And the other thing would be to potentially have some things already in your pocket you know and so then small things that you've created that you could pull out basically out of a hat whenever you need them and that kind of leads into having some npcs that you've already built and what do they sound like what do they act like and having them basically possibly on note cards so that they're ready whenever you need them yeah and i think uh once again I know I do it all the time. I, f I lose my accent. My accent changes for a NPC. I yeah. think it happens to every DM out there who's trying to do voices. And I would say don't be discouraged and stop doing voices. I know as a DM, I often have to kind of give my players a little nudge and be like, hey, 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 uh, in, in your character voice, please. Like, uh, let's let's get into the role playing. I think it's OK to have your players also know that they can do that to you as a DM and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you're not doing the accent. Please do the accent for us. That's what we love to hear. And to be able to laugh at yourself when you know that you're not doing a great job and you're falling out of the accent or it's just an accent that you maybe need a little bit more practice at or never going to get quite down. But that's the whole point of of role playing is having fun. So just don't let it be at that point where you're not having fun with it. Yep. And a quick tip that I, I think is out there on the internet, but a, a thing you can also do, and I know I do it some, is have some sort of primer 
I think is the official term. If it's not, well, then I sound stupid. But <laughs> basically, either a saying or a single word that gets you into the voice. You know, and so like if I know I'm going to do a pirate voice, I know unfortunately I need to end up saying "yar" a lot to like bring me into that voice and that accent. And that could even just be part of the character is that the character says "yar" a lot, and now you're in your pirate voice every time you do kind of that tick for that character. But thank you, DM Just Jeff, for writing in with those awesome questions. So we want to thank both Scott and Forrest for joining us on the show today and helping us to look at some of these Irish myths and just gaining all this inspiration. And I think this is a really good example of how you can look at real world mythology and just really soak up some ideas and some inspiration for your homebrew fantasy worlds. Uh, Neil, if our listeners would like to get in touch with us, maybe they have based some of their homebrew world and the stories and campaigns that they've played from some real world mythology. If they'd like to get in touch with us and tell us a little bit about that, where can they reach us at? They can always email at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, you can always head on over to iTunes, help get our name out there and give us a five-star review if you see fit. And of course, we will read it on air. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places are great places to go if you want updates about the show, memes, and just all around D&D goodness. As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other amazing shows like Dungeons, Dragons, and Daughters, Detentions and Dragons, The GM Showcase, and more. And that's it for this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all their people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night, and good luck of the Irish. I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. Happy St. Patrick's Day, and keep on Dungeon Mastering. Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the eagle, eagles. Lowering, lowering the, the eagles, eagles, it's back! <laughs> <laughs> second time it's happened. Yes. And Halden's review is entitled, Great Resource for Great Resource for a New DM, five stars. This podcast is a wonderful resource. Resource? What is resource? This podcast... I need to go research some eagles. <laughs> no, they taking me lucky charms. Goodbye.